ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oki Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Oki Podcast. And on today's show, I got another very special guest. Uh, he is a MMA fighter and a coach. He fights in the featherweight division. He is fighting and coaching out of Jackson Wink uh, Gym in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm just going to get to know him. And so are you. And I'm so glad he wanted to be on the show and he made time. The guest is Seth Abeda. How's it going? How's it going? It's good to be on your show. I've been listening to it. Man, you've had some some really cool guests. You guys have talked about some really cool things. Oh man, thank you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's uh it's been taking off, man. It's uh it's really exciting, you know. Yeah, it's great. It's great to like be able to give voices to uh people that like other other people may not be aware of and the good things they're doing, you know, get to know them and especially in Indian country, we're all family and like be able to connect and you know share the things we're doing. That's that's dope that you're giving a voice to those people. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh yeah, man, it was uh, it's crazy how it's all like came together because I honestly I had no idea like how the show was even to go. <laughs> that's that's usually some of the where the some of the most genius things come from, just you know, putting it together and doing it. You don't really you don't really know how it's gonna come out, but the finished product ends up better than you could have imagined. Yeah, man, I'm getting some really great feedback and I'm so happy that, you know, people are um, just reaching back out and, you know, they want to come on the show and everything. And it's, um, it's really great. You know, I, I never expected that, you know, when I was, uh, I was telling somebody, I was like, man, you know, I'll probably, I mean, that goes back to that self uh, like doubt of like, you know, not being able to do it, but I was like, I bet I'll probably get like five out of like a hundred people or something, but like, it's so cool to have like, like 95% of the people, you know, hit me back and say, let's do it. You know, let's go. Like nice. they're, ex they're excited too, you know? So it's a great thing, man. It's, it's really cool, man. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really, I really enjoy this, man. I really enjoy, you know, giving people a platform and just get them, getting them, uh, getting their stuff out there, you know, their stories and all that. So it's really cool, man. That's exciting. That's like storytelling too. It's, I mean, it's such a huge part of native culture. So, I mean, our oral traditions, that's you're doing it right, man. I'm excited to be a part of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know. Like uh, I, I saw your uh, Instagram and I was like, I'm going to hit him up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to uh you had um, uh, Teton on the other day, and I was listening. Man, it, it's so exciting! I felt all the work he's done. Like he's another really positive person. And being uh, being out here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, so I've been a lifelong Lobo fan. We and we kind of we live and die with with our Lobo teams every year. The basketball team's kind of been breaking our hearts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they give us just enough hope to where we're all in and then they they break our hearts at the end but yeah it's 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 exciting to see him doing great things and uh actually hear a lot of things i didn't even know that he hooped like and, and he shared that on your podcast i was like oh wow he hooped too kind of in 
the way he was talking about it, you know, you come from the res, like you hoop, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's real. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I didn't know that either, you know, and that was great. He hit me back. Cause like, I was like, oh, I'll just hit him up, you know, and if he doesn't message you back, cause I'm, I'm sure he's like super busy, but that was great too, man. You know, getting to know him and like just all the work he does, like in communities, like I didn't know he did all that, you know, and you know, he continues that, that work man that positive uh work that he's doing so it's great man it's really cool yeah it's exciting i i think there's and and that gives you like it, it gives kind of all of us wow you know like we get to relate see how we relate to other people um as they tell their stories and then you know hopefully that'll even help like the work he does you know someone else will hear it and be like oh you know maybe maybe i haven't our community has a need for that, or maybe I have a resource I can add to that and just, um, you know, help everybody out. That's, that's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like motivated me to actually do that. Like uh, my free time, you know, on weekends, you know, I, I want to look around here to, you know, see where I can be a help at, you know, like helping out people that need help. So I'm looking into it, you know, it's motivated me to do that. So, cause I was like, well, if, you know, Teton can do that, you know, I think I should play a part in that too. <laughs> right. Right. Most definitely. That's yeah, a, so, oh, do what? Go oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. That's, that's one of, uh, one of my, uh, main coaches. Um, he's always said that, you know, if you help others achieve their dreams and get everything they want out of life, that will bring you everything you want out of life. So, I mean, that's something I've always really tried to live by. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's spot on too. Like that's, that's what it's all about, man, is just helping people, supporting people, you know, I mean, it's, I've always known that, I guess, but, now I'm like really starting to see that, you know, with this podcast and just hearing everybody's like um, what they talk about and how they help people. So it's just, it's really great, man. It's really great to hear all that and just spread that positivity and like, you know, just get out there and help, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's cool, man. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Seth, um, for the listeners, man, um, could you tell us, you know, where you grew up, um, what that was like? Um, did you move around a lot? You know, what was, <clears throat> and then how kind of, how did you kind of shift into this, uh, you know, this lifestyle? Um, cause I know it's not easy, you know, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, man. Um, but yeah, man, you know, we'll just talk and have a really great conversation and, you know, get to know each other and yeah. So I was, uh, I'm half Isleta Pueblo and uh, half Apache. I get my Apache blood from Fort Sill and we have some relatives in Mescalero um, on my mom's side and my, my dad was Pueblo. So I was born, I was born here in Albuquerque, but we lived there in the Pueblo of Isleta um, my, with my mom and dad. Uh, my dad was a Vietnam vet and he, he suffered tremendously from PTSD. And uh, at that time it, it wasn't as, it wasn't on the forefront of the conversation when it comes to our vets as, as much as it is now. Um, 
And so I'm sure like a lot of, a lot of people that were suffering, uh, like he turned to alcoholism and my mom, you know, she tried to write it out. And eventually uh, when she was three months pregnant with my little, my younger brother, uh, she, she was like, you know, I just don't want him to see the things you've seen or experience any of that. And she made the decision to leave. Um, and from there, we moved to Socorro for a while. She worked at the hospital. And uh, then my mom decided to buy a horse ranch um, in the mountains, uh, the Manzano Mountains. Kind of, it's funny because uh, it was just over the mountain from, from the res. Um, and so we lived there growing up. And, and that, was, that was amazing being being around the horses uh, in the summertime, my brother and I would, we'd be gone for a couple of weeks at a time, just running around the mountains, camping out, you know, tracking, just being wild little Indians. And, and so that was, it was an amazing childhood. Um, living there on the ranch, working with the horses that, that taught me, you know, work ethic and uh, really gave me a love for animals. Horses were my, my first love. And once I, once I got into middle school, I had never, I had never played any organized sports or anything. And I started playing football, which I loved. Um, and I, I was, uh, I grew pretty fast in middle school. I was almost, I'm, I'm six foot now. And I was, I was, I only grew about two, three inches in high school. So I was almost as tall as I am now in middle school. Dang. And uh, the basketball coach one day was like, he had coached football as well he he pulled me aside and he's like have you ever played basketball and I was like no he's like let's go in the gym and he started showing me a few post moves and I I fell in love with it and that's that's all I started doing um about that time my mom has started uh working for the New Mexico State Police uh the district office in uh Socorro New Mexico and she was driving about a hundred miles one way to work. So there were lots of times she'd leave for, she'd leave for work about nine at night and she wouldn't get back until we were already on the bus and at school. So there were, there were lots of times that we wouldn't see each other. And so I kind of just, my brother and I, you know, kind of just did our own thing. Um, she would check up on us, make sure we were doing our homework trying to keep us out of trouble. She did a really good job with my younger brother, but uh, I, I was stubborn. I was a knucklehead. And um, basketball was something that I gravitated to. But I, I think part of it was I, I, I needed the discipline of basketball. And I knew in, in, in basketball season, I loved it so much, I wouldn't jeopardize, you know, getting in trouble or doing anything. So that was one thing that really got me through high school. Um, she, she got tired of making that drive. So she sold our, our ranch and we moved to a little town called Magdalena um, in the Southwestern part of the state. And that town, it is all about hoops. It is to this day. Um, they've had a few undefeated teams, um, state championship teams, there, um, it's a tiny, tiny town. There's maybe a thousand people there, and uh, we still have a home there to this day. I played my high school ball there for uh, Sam Olney, 
uh, his son, uh, Roy Sony, was he's a uh, he had an amazing global career. Uh, I remember back in the day when Utah was, you know, Utah basketball was a powerhouse. They'd come to the pit and, and we'd always knock them off. That was back when the, the Lobos would have like those epic battles with with Arizona. Arizona would be number one and come into the pit and we'd take them down. So that it was a great time growing up playing basketball at that time. We'd uh, we'd be going on game trips. We'd have the radio on, listening to Mike Powers broad, broadcast the games and it would just be complete silence. And we, we uh, like I said earlier, we'd live and die with those Lobo teams. And after my senior year, I, I, I really um, started getting into trouble. And it, and it was fighting. It was always fighting. Uh, that was kind of my thing. I was a knucklehead. Uh, I didn't. My mom did, did, did the best she could, but uh, sometimes you need someone to sit you down and put you in your place. And I just didn't have anybody to do that. And so I kind of had to, to learn things on my own, like, you know, trial and trial and error. And I ended up, you know, starting to get into more serious uh, trouble. And I ended up getting uh, detained and sent to juvie. And so I ended up missing my, my senior year of basketball. Um, the, the where, where Magdalena is situated, there's a, a Navajo reservation, you know, just about a 20 minute drive away. And I had played the whole time for Magdalena. And while I was while I was locked up, the one of the assistant coaches from from the res came in. He's like, hey, you know, like um, my my father's real good friends with the judge that's over your case. You know, we could talk to him if you'll agree to come play ball for us. And at that time, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And so uh, in a couple of weeks, I got out. I, I transferred schools. I started school on the res, um, which was kind of kind of crazy because the rivalry between those two schools is is very heated, very heated. And so a lot of the guys that I had been playing against that went to school out there, they weren't too comfortable <laughs> with me being their new teammate so it was kind of rocky at first but honestly that that senior year for me I discovered you know one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to uh Alamo New Mexico and that that community is is really home I I have an affinity for the people there it's filled with lots of great people it that was one of the the things that you know really started a transformation with me everybody you know all the all the elders and, and school workers they they really really opened their arms to me and helped me in any way possible they really endeared me to that community and still to this day you know that's that's a special place for me and I didn't know it at the time but it actually um some of my Apache uh people back in the day the Alamo people had opened their their reservation and uh, some of my uh, Warm Springs people had actually moved there and uh, became a part of those people. So it, it was really cool to, to realize, you know, Alamo had that history of helping us crazy Apaches. Um, from there, I, I once I graduated, I uh, went to I attended UNM and I just I just wasn't ready for school. 
I, I was not ready for school at all. I just didn't have the maturity or the self-discipline yet. And I had, I had wanted to, to play college ball, but I didn't. Before I had gotten in trouble, I, I had got some D1 offers. Um, I had some really solid Division II schools looking at me. And I, in my arrogance, um, even after I got in trouble, uh, New Mexico Highlands uh, actually called me at the detention center and talked the uh, administrator into getting me on the phone. And they offered me a scholarship over the phone. And in my arrogance and, and foolishness, I, I was like, you know, I really appreciate it, but I want to play Division One. And I, I tell you, I, I think about that sometimes. And if, if me now could go back and, you know, have a little talk with me then I, I would have slapped some sense into myself. Um, but, you know, it, it worked out for the best. I, um, I kind of just hung out and wasn't really doing too much and kind of started getting in trouble again. And uh, I got put on probation and my probation officer was like, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but if you don't have a job or you're not, you know, attending college in the next 30 days, we're just going to have you go back and, and serve the rest of your sentence. And so I was like, well, let's go, let's go back to school. And so I started uh, attending SIPI. And uh, that was, that was a great experience. Um, tribal colleges, are, they're like their own little reses. And it was, it was fun there. I met a lot of great people, lifelong friends. Um, Sippy is, is a really interesting place. A lot of people there, I've heard a lot of like, people talk bad about it, but it's, I think it's just like anything, anything you do in life, it's what you make of it. And I, I really got back into playing ball there, got back into, you know, fitness and, and uh, working out. My little brother came there. Uh, we had a, a pretty legendary uh, intramural team. Um, we went undefeated for uh, six trimesters. We just would just wipe the floor with anybody. And we, um, they were starting to try and play competitively against other tribal colleges. And so we were on the team and it really kind of lit my fire. And I wanted to see if, you know, if I could play college. So I, I talked to my high school coach, Mr. Only, um, and he was, he was like, you know, you can do it. It's, it's just how bad you want it and how bad you want to work. And, and I told him, you know, I'm all in. I want to, I want to prove it to myself. And so he's like, do you have an idea of where you want to play? And I had already kind of looked into Fort Lewis because they have a lot of uh, really good student success programs. And they had a, at that time, they had a really tough basketball team um, under coach Bob Hoffman. And he reached out to coach Hoffman, um, got me a tryout. I went up, I uh, scheduled a tour. I toured the school. They, they really, really, to this day, they have a lot of student success programs. They have a lot of uh, programs focused on Native students. And it's also a school that's tuition free for Natives. So I was like, you know, this, this is a no-brainer. Durango, it's not too far from home. Durango's a beautiful, beautiful little, little town. And so I went up there, you know, tried out. And uh, Hoffman's like, you know, I think we can find a place for you on the team. And I, I started doing that and it was kind of like, all right, I made it, you know, what's next? And um, 
I started in my, my personal life started, you know, developing. I started staying out of trouble. I was, um, I had excellent grades there and I really started seeing, oh, okay. You know, there's a different, a different side to life. You don't have to be a knucklehead all the time. Um, and I, I made the decision to move back to Albuquerque. Um, and when I came back, I was kind of still always getting in trouble as far as fighting. I was, I was having altercations a lot. And, uh, one of my, one of my friends had always told me, you know, you should try that cage fighting. And me, of course, you know, thinking like, I think most guys think, yeah, I can fight, you know, like I've, I've got hands, I, I can throw down. And so my little brother, uh, while I was away, he had started training uh, at Jackson Wink. And he was like, yeah, you know, you should try it. Like, I love it. And so he was getting ready to have his first, uh, his first kickboxing match. And that was a crazy experience. Uh, there used to be a gym down in Las Cruces, New Mexico, called Montsevias, and they would host kickboxing smokers all the time. And so we were we were set to go down there, and uh, you know I was I was just kind of along for the ride to see how it went. And my little brother's opponent, he's supposed to fight at 155. His opponent doesn't show up. There's another guy that's supposed to fight at 185. His opponent doesn't show up. So they just kind of like offer my brother the fight. They're like, do you want to fight this guy? And everybody's kind of like, whoa, that's a 30-pound difference. And my little brother just, yeah, let's do it. And uh, my little brother won that match. It, it was, it was, a, it was a, a war of a fight, but he came out and, and he was just the happy, like just seeing the happiness on his face and and the way the competition was, I was like, oh, I, you know, I should try this. And I remember uh, when I went to sign up, I had uh, my intro when you um, at that time, when you go to the gym and you tell them you wanted a membership, you'd pay, you'd uh, pay for basically a one on one lesson. They would give you an intro and then you'd get to attend a couple of classes for free and decide whether or not it was for you. And I was very fortunate. I had my intro with a UFC vet. At that time, it was before he had got into the UFC, uh, Isaac Valley Flat. And so I had my intro with him and I'm like, yeah, I can do this, you know. And so I, I went to class later that night and uh, Dale McCarty was the uh, was one of the striking coaches at that time. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to do good. This is this will be easy for me. I fight all the time. I could not land a punch or a kick on anybody. And I got. I was basically a punching bag that entire practice. And I remember going home and just laying on the couch, feeling like I got hit by a bus and just like, wow, this is, this is real. Like I, I, and, and that realization of, you know, this is a, this is a challenge for you. You have no idea what you're doing. Like this is a new mountain to climb. And, and I couldn't wait to go to practice the next day. And that was 12 years ago now. And I've, I've been on this, this journey in MMA. And uh, one, of the, one of the biggest things I've, I've found is competitive sports, especially at, at the higher levels, you can't fake it. You, it, it shows, you know, there's, there's some things where you can, in, in life, where people can kind of float and, and hide, 
they can hide their character, their work ethic. Um, they can hide from their personal issues. But competitive sports at a high level, like you can't hide. It, it, it forces you to face your fears. It forces you to face, his, face your insecurities, issues that you have. It, it brings them out. There's even, even if you're trying, trying not to face something, you're, it's, it's your greatest fear. It will force, it will take you there and force you. And it, it, at first that was something that was hard for me, but now it's something that I really embrace because I know it's making me a better person. And, and I've seen it in so many other people, the growth and, and everybody I've, I've seen so many people, including myself come to this point to where either you have that choice to choose to, to fight those demons, to, to, you know, work on yourself and grow, or you choose to give up and take yourself out of that situation and remain in your comfort zone. And that's, that's been a huge thing for me. Um, and it, it goes along with, with uh, coach Greg Jackson, one of his things that he's, he's always told us and uh, Joey Villasenor is always, always yelling at us to remember, you know, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's, that's one of the keys to being successful is, is being able to be, in a, be comfortable and, and remain poised and calm in uncomfortable situations. And so that's, that's helped me immensely, especially outside, outside of the cage. I, I don't get in trouble anymore. You know, I've, I've turned things around and it's funny because all the trouble it caused me, you know, growing up all my, my fighting and stubbornness and everybody was like, you need to stop fighting. It's, you know, fighting's not going to get you anywhere. And, and it's funny now because fighting has taken me all over the, all over the country. It's, it's open doors for me that otherwise wouldn't have been opened. I've experienced things and, and growth and happiness that I wouldn't have otherwise. And so while we have to, we have to, you know, remain disciplined and, and do what's, do what's best for ourselves and, and be conscious of others and what our actions are doing to others. It's important not to give up on things that, that are important to you and things that, that you're good at. Even if people are telling everybody around you is telling you, you know, you can't be like this, trying to change who you are and, it's it's important to hold on to those things. Um, one of those opportunities that I've been very very fortunate, um, uh, Heather 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 and Mike Winklejohn are huge advocates uh, for women's women's self defense and uh, you know helping to stop violence against women. And uh, being native, that's that's a huge thing for me. I I will. I watched my mom uh, struggle with that. I'm thankful that she had the strength to leave, but I know that there's a lot of our women that, that suffer as a result of violence and haven't found that strength yet. And so that's a, a huge, huge issue for me with our missing and murdered indigenous women, you know, the, all of the challenges and, and it's like our women have a target on their back. So I'm a huge, huge fan of, anything that empowers our women, um, especially helping them learn skills to effectively defend themselves. And so the program they have, it's called Smart Girl uh, Self-Defense. 
And I've been fortunate to be learning from them, learning, you know, proper techniques, a lot of uh, mental aspects of, of that and being able to help be a part of that and pass it on to uh, women that are in need of that knowledge and those skills. Um, they've just opened another gym specifically target for, targeted for that. They, uh, they have women's classes and they do a lot of great things. And I'm fortunate enough to be a small part of that in uh, doing some of the classes. And that's, that's a huge thing for me. I've actually uh, been fortunate enough to work with uh, the Coalition to End Violence Against Native Women that's based here in Albuquerque. Miss um, Shia Antonio, she's my uh, biggest contact there. She's, she's, man, she's one bad little chick. She does so much work in the community. It's, it's amazing. I don't know where she gets the time, but uh, we've linked up and been able to put on, even through this pandemic, uh, virtual self women's self-defense. And so those are the things that are really exciting to me. Um, another great opportunity I've had because of that, um, the Pueblo of Laguna, um, one of their behavioral um, services um, employees, Ms. Shauna Duma, uh, her and I had, you know, been talking um, and she came up with the idea, you know, do you think we could bring something to the res for the kids? And, I, and that was something I had always thought would be great because that I, I try and think in terms of what did I need at that age? And if I would have had something like that, you know, a program to put my energies into to give me some more discipline, um, I think it would have helped me immensely. And so when she, you know, she brought that idea of we kind of brainstormed and she, she's like, let me see what I can do on my end. And I, I went and talked to Coach Wink. Wink was all for it. And so we set up a meeting with them. And uh, they developed an amazing program for at-risk kids and native youth out in the Pueblo of Laguna. And uh, right before the pandemic hit, we had been almost two years, two years strong in that program. And just that was more rewarding than I can even explain. Seeing those kids and uh, when we would get going, you know, in our warmups and in our stretching drills and hearing those kids counting out in, in their, their native language. It, it, it's, it's amazing seeing how pumped they would get, seeing the challenges they would, their per, the personal challenges they would overcome, the, the health benefits. It, oh, it was just amazing. And uh, working with Shauna, her and uh, uh, Byron that they partnered up from the Pueblo. They, they make that program run and do so much for the kids out there. So that was really amazing. Um, because of the pandemic, we haven't really been able to continue it just yet, but I'm anxious to get to work out there again and um, start. Hopefully we can bring that to more communities. But so far, that's, that's what I'm up to um, as far as outside the gym. Inside the gym, uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with some really amazing fighters. Uh, some of them all the way from their first, you know, amateur smoker all the way into making their pro debut, getting their first pro wins. And that's that's really, really, really amazing. It's a great feeling seeing people, you know, set that goal and seeing all the work they put into it. 
and then seeing them accomplish that kind of, you know, get to the top of that mountain. That's, that's something I really enjoy. And it's, it's really funny. Uh, one of my mentors, uh, coach Nick Gonzalez, that, that was one thing he told me when I first started helping and he was like, you know, you gotta be careful because coaching, will, it'll really suck you in. Coaching is, a, has to be a completely selfless act. And as a fighter, you, you, kind of have to be selfish in order to make sure your time management, you know, you're, you're putting in the, the correct amount of time. Like you, you have to miss a lot of things, birthdays, family get togethers. Um, I, I know personally that's, that's been a thing for me. A lot of times not being able to, uh, to eat uh, the way us natives get together and celebrate. That's always the thing. We're going to feast and uh, having feast days here and not being able to really go in on, the the native grub like I want to because I'm cutting weight or getting ready for a fight but it's all worth it in the end um I've been the way I got into coaching actually was you know we have such a huge roster we have so many people coming to our gym from all over the world uh sometimes it, it just gets to be so much there's been times um before the pandemic started I I was out of I was out of the state, you know, nine, 11 weeks in a row, just going to different fights with different fighters. And it, it, it can get to be a lot, uh, man, Greg and Wink. I don't Sometimes I don't know how they do it. They're always going, always going to fights, um, all over the world. Joey Villasenor is another one that just, man, that guy, like he's really, really basically like giving his, his whole life to fighting and to our gym and we're really, really lucky to have him. A lot of people call him the general because he just comes in and takes control. It's, it's amazing to watch him work in a corner, just pre-fight preps, the way he like lays everything out and, and tells you what's expected of you and directs the fighters. And he was, he was the one that was like, you know, you, you have a pretty good eye for detail. You're, you're good at breaking things down and analyzing things. You know, uh, I'd like you to come with me and start helping me with some of the amateur fights just around the state. And then it got to the point where we were being we were finding a lot of success and we just had so many fighters going out. I I was asked to start going with fighters. And luckily, um, I was blessed with amazing fighters. Like, I guess I've always thought that it's, it's easy to be thought of a, a great coach if you have great fighters. I mean, they make you look good. Um, but I, I love that, like the breaking down tape, game planning, breaking down technique, um, and then drilling the, the game plan, coming up with your game plan and, and actually drilling it. And, and then to see it working in the fight, it's, it's, it's a beautiful process and something that I always get excited for. Um, right now, one of the fighters um, that I'm working with is, is a prospect, Eileen Villalobos. That girl is is so talented, so so talented. I, I've been very fortunate to work with her, and she's she's on the verge of, of really big things. Remember that name because it's gonna come up later on. She's a she's a young fighter and she's just super talented. I've had uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, work with and, and corner uh, another 
man, this guy is like a, an MMA encyclopedia. It's just insane. And, and an amazing person. Um, Andrew Tennyson, uh, last year, his last fight, um, he ended up pulling a go-go plata from the top and uh, finishing his fight in LFA. Um, that was, that was mind blowing to see that like in an actual fight. I mean, it's some of the, some of the things he does is you're just like, where did that come from? How did you have the creativity to do that? But yeah, it's amazing. And then being at the gym and, and seeing, you know, super having superstar teammates. Wow. Like John Jones, Holly Holm, uh, Michelle Watterson. It's, it's insane working with John Dotson. John Dotson was, uh, the first person that ever I hit mitts with, um, seeing those people in their, their work ethic. And, and once you become, you actually become a part of the team, the way that, you know, they're always ready to help. They're, they're always willing to give you advice on anything inside and outside of the cage. Some of the, the best advice I've ever heard from John is actually, you know, talking about things outside of the cage. And, and it's funny because especially like someone like John, which is, he's such a, polarizing personality people usually either love him or hate him and and he's done some some you know things some things that make you scratch your head but once you get to see the other side of him you're just like wow you know he's he's a great guy he does a lot in the community um the navajo community of Tuajajale, that's uh west of albuquerque here has been having problems with the development company getting uh water to their community the development company is like no you know you guys don't get anything and so they they've been struggling with that issue for a long time and uh john is actually uh through his care project program he's taking water out to the res um every year he does you know toy drives for the res he's done a lot for the native community that people don't even realize and so knowing that other side in and not everything that's seen in the public view is, is a privilege. The way uh, Holly Holm, man, she is a beast. She's probably the hardest worker in the gym, hands down. I remember my, the first time I met her, I was going to a, a conditioning session at the, the gym I was at at the time. And uh, it was uh, the conditioning coach was uh, Kelly Teching. And... Uh, she would try and have the fighters all come in at one time. And, and I was getting ready for my first kickboxing smoker. And I ended up getting paired up with, uh, with Holly. And so in my head, I'm like, you know, you got to keep up with her. You got to keep up there. And we were doing uh, cardio drills and I was trying and I was trying. And I remember when she, she realized that I was trying to, to keep up with her, she looked at me and smiled and just turned on a whole nother gear that I just didn't have. I, I was running for the bathroom to throw up really quick. But that, that was always a good memory because it, it kind of showed me, you know, like she's been doing this for years. You just started. You've got a long ways to go. But little things like that, being in our gym, I remember the first time I, uh, I sparred Diego Sanchez and I was like, wow, this is the tough legend, the, the, like the original Ultimate Fighter. And uh, I, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't land a punch. I didn't land a kick. I, it, I was just starstruck. And um, years later, being able, the last time I sparred him before 
um, he moved on to other things. Like, I remember, you know, doing well against him and being like, wow, wow, being able to see that growth in myself. That was an amazing thing. But, yeah, um, up to this point, that's that's my story so far. See what see what else happens with it. What an exciting, like, life you have, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think about that all the time. I, I'm so blessed that I'm, I'm able to to do this every day. I get to grow my body, grow my mind and help others every day of my life. It's I'm very, very blessed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I, I really I, I really want to share with other people. Um, and I think that's one of the things in coaching that I really enjoy most is just helping other people overcome those things and seeing when they hit walls that I hit and I was able to overcome and knowing that at that moment, they may not believe that they can do it, but you know, they can and helping them get there. That's, that's exciting for me. You know, I lived in Santa Fe and I trained over at, um, undisputed fitness. Have you heard of that one? Yes. uh, Tate, that's Tate's gym. But when I got into it, um, the way you talk about coaching, you know, it makes me think about, you know, the things they were teaching me and, I could I can only imagine the feeling that they had um, when because I was new I was new to it I didn't know what I was doing but you know I showed up and I learned everything they were teaching me and so like the way you speak about coaching you know it's I could only imagine you know the how that's how they felt watching me do the things that you know they taught me so it it takes me back to that memory of like. You know, because when you're rolling in a tournament or something and they're yelling at you, they're like, do this, do that, you know, and like, it's just so crazy, man, because like, even though you're rolling, you could still hear your coach's voice to do everything that you're told and to hear what they're saying and then to, you know, execute the game plan or whatever, you know, like it, it takes me back to like, just in their shoes of like, how proud, you know, they were that you're using these, um, everything that they've taught you, you know, in that amount of time that you've get, you've been given up to that point. That's, that's like, that's, that's awesome, man. Like, um, I never looked at it like that, you know, hearing from a coach's perspective, you know, MMA coach, jiu-jitsu coach, you know, so. It's, it's exciting. One of the, one of the, one of the, on the reverse of that, on the reverse of that. So, um, there's a, a, a YouTube uh, star from India. Uh, everybody calls him Steelman. He's, he's, a, he's a really, really great guy. So respectful. Um, he actually holds a couple world records. He's like a big YouTube star. He's done a lot of uh, reality uh, TV shows. And he came to train at the gym. Um, and he was, you know, he was getting ready to do his first kickboxing, like, uh, smoker. And I hadn't, I hadn't really been, you know, like getting ready for a fight, but his opponent fell out and, and I was, he, his, uh, his visa was getting ready to run out. So he was having to, he was going to have to go back to um, his country. And he's like, he, he was really down and he's like, you know, like a lot of my sponsors and stuff were, were really looking forward to this. And, and I was like, you know what, we can do an exhibition match if you want. And, um, we presented it to the promoter and the promoter was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And so uh, him and I, him and I threw down, um, we had a kickboxing fight and 
everybody was like, who's going to be your corner? And uh, it, was, it was amazing to me because I, I, I asked my kids, my three oldest kids to do it. I was like, I want you guys to corner me in this fight. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, it, it'll be fine. Like, it'll be, it'll be fun. And I'll be honored to be able to, you know, have you instructing me, telling me what you guys see. And uh, that was honestly one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. That was a, it was a fun fight. It was, it was exciting. In the back, it was, it was cool. Even uh, my daughter, Tala, wrapped my hands, um, which was amazing. Uh, my son, Yulzanha, uh, he held mitts for me as I warmed up. Uh, my daughter, Alicia, was there in the corner. And that was, that was one of the, the most rewarding things for me. It was so much fun. Um, some, of my, some of my teammates were like, man, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. That, that is too cool. And it was. It was, it was amazing. So being able to, and, and it was funny, I remember at the end of the first round, um, <laughs> going and sitting in the corner and they were just kind of like looking at me like, and I was like, okay, well, what, tell me what I need to do better. What, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? And, um, and my daughter was like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but, you know, be in my corner. You got to tell me what I'm not seeing. You know, if, if, if I'm a little bit slow on my jab, if, I, if I'm dropping my hands, you know, what am I not taking advantage of? You guys can see things from a different perspective than I can. And they kind of, it kind of hit them and they just jumped into it. They're like, okay, you know, you need to throw your, your inside leg kick a little bit more, like, and double up on your jab. And, and it was cool to see the things that I had taught them over the years kind of come into play and, and, and them take charge. And that, that was amazing. So, I mean, there's, I, like what you're saying to to look at it from that other perspective it's it's cool to be able to see it from both sides and then it i i honestly think uh coaching has really helped my fighting ability immensely to be able to understand concepts and, and there's there's so it, it goes so deep you really have to trust your corner because if they're not if your corner is calling for something and you don't trust them you're going to hesitate and you're not going to do it and if you, there's, there's that thing that we talk about, if you wait, you're late. Like if you hesitate to throw something, it's not going to be there. When they call it, you've got to just trust them and go. And it, it's, especially at the higher levels, there's so much that goes into it. Like, so finding, finding a, a, a corner that, that you really vibe with, that you trust, like, and, and on the, the flip side of that, as a cornerman and as a coach, you know, giving, giving your fighter a hundred percent all the time and earning that trust to where they know, you know, you're not going to call for something crazy or that you're not going to put them in a bad situation. And if they do get in a bad situation, that you're going to be right there to help them get out of it. It's, 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 there's a lot that goes into it. And it's, it's funny because I've seen a lot of people come here to the gym and, and, Sometimes, I mean, Greg and Winker are legends. And, and sometimes people think just having a legend in your corner is going to win the fight for you. But if you, haven't, if you haven't put in all those hours drilling and listening and, and, and working together to get that cohesiveness, it's, if they don't know your strengths, if they don't know your defaults, if they don't understand you know, what buttons to push, like, yeah, you know, 
it's great to have a legend in your corner, but if you haven't put in that time with them, there's only so much they can do for you. So being able to understand all that and, and see it actually working, it's I'm I'm in awe all the time. I some days I walk in the gym to to get to work to train, and I'm just I'm still like, wow, this is my life. This like I get to be around these legends. It's it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's hard to i bet it's like hard to comprehend this is your life man yeah you've had like um some troubles you know but it's led you to this you know that's that's amazing you know that's crazy how everything just kind of works out it, it is it really is <laughs> for all the trouble i got into in my younger years uh it's funny because uh as far as college i ended up with a degree in criminal justice so i mean <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's funny how things work out. And I I think that's one thing I, I try and express um from things I did. Cause I, I, I was that res kid, you know what I mean? Like I, I could have been we have so many wonderful stories of our people and our strength and, and our resiliency, but we also like we we have those stories where people fall through the cracks. We have those stories where people are they do become victims of all the challenges that we face. And, and I could have been one of those people. I was, I was well along that road. I, I think about that like a lot. I, you know, I, I came from, you know, my, my father created an abusive environment. My father was, he was uh, a, a substance abuser. You know, he was an alcoholic. Um, I came from a single parent household, you know, I got in, I got in trouble. I, I did all those things and I, I could have very easily, you know, just been another one of our sad stories, but I, I was blessed enough to overcome those things. And I really hope that I can, I can inspire others that may be going through that or maybe have gone through that and don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, that if someone like me can do it, I know that they can do it. Cause I'm not, I'm not special. I don't have any special tools. I just, any special skills, any special knowledge. I just, I fell in love with something and I didn't give up on it and I'd never give up on myself. And, and I think if other people can see that and just hold on to that hope and, and just keep putting one foot down in front of the other in a positive direction, like they can do anything they want. They can, they can become, they can be, they can go anywhere anything it's all possible that's the same thoughts i have man that's the way i felt too growing up man like i've you know i fucked up too you know i didn't have the best grades i wanted to drop out and it was just a weird time you know growing up and my i lived in a single parent household too and you know my mom was the same way you know she drank a lot and and i and it, like that fucked with me too, you know? So it, it was just a lot growing up, man. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, graduating high school, I thought like, man, I ain't going to do nothing. You know, I'm not going to do anything cool or special. So the plan for me was just, you know, I'm going to stick around here forever and just die here, I guess, you know, because I, there was like, there wasn't, anything to like 
kind of pushed me towards something, you know, because I wanted to play football, but I was so injury prone and, you know, I, I fucked up um, my grades and all that. And the way people would talk to me was like, well, you've screwed up now, so you're really not going to be able to do anything. So I took that to heart, man. And I was like, okay. So I just kind of, I gave up, but not really give, gave up, I guess. I still got through high school and, you know, I had like, you know, these suicidal thoughts too, you know, but, you know, I, I never went through with it. Um, and I just, I don't know how, man, I don't know how I got out of, uh, Pawnee, but I did, man, you know, and it, it led me to a great place in New Mexico in Santa Fe at, um, I, I, and that's the same thing, man. Like I, you know, I want this to like reach people, indigenous or whoever, whoever's listening, like just, just believe in yourself. Like, like you said, man, like, don't give up, you know, don't think like whatever you're in now, that's it. Like your story does not end like that and just find something you love to do and just try to strive for it. We're all meant for great things. You know, it just takes yourself to realize that you're a you're a um you are a great person you know you are worth you know living you know you're worth being here and you know it it can be rough you know it can be but just try to go for whatever it is that they want to do in life yeah and i i think that's really that's really important i i think that's that's something I, i i we we at the gym have talked about you know we have we have natives, we have Muslims, we have, you know, Buddhists, we have Catholics, Christians, we have people from all over the globe. We have, um, we have these Mongolians that come in and train with us. And man, those guys are something else. They are the most respectful, like coolest guys ever. But around with one of those Mongolians is a fight. Like <laughs> They go hard. We have like Russians that come in and they're like, they don't speak English, but a lot of them don't speak English. There's some that, that do, but that Sambo base they have is just insane. You know, we have like so many people from all over the globe and we literally beat each other up every day, but we have the op- utmost respect for each other. And it's something that that I, I kind of trip on because you look out in the world and especially lately, the, the atmosphere that you know, after this past election and leading up to that election, you know, there's there's been such a, a divisive atmosphere. And it, it's crazy because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And I, and I think, you know, if more people could have these conversations and, and get to know one another. And, and, you know, there'd be a lot more similarities than there are differences. And I think those differences could be, you know, talked out if people were willing just to reach out and get to know one another i i I think that's that's something that that's sorely lacking i i know as a kid like even growing up on the ranch our closest neighbor wasn't like you know our closest neighbor was two miles away but we knew them we knew all of our neighbors and and we'd work together we'd watch each other how each other's houses you know, if we were like building a hay barn or something, you know, we would help. Um, like even on the res, you know, like the, the close knit communities, 
everybody knows everybody. And I, I think now, like even here living in the city, I, I don't know my neighbors. I, I don't know who they are. Um, I don't know what they do. Um, so that, that's, we've kind of isolated ourselves a lot more like in society now and, and having conversations like this and, and getting to know people and networking, connecting and being able to relate, like just on that basic human level. I, I think that's really something that, that will lead to a lot of understanding and healing just in general and, and people being able to, wow, you know, they did that. Oh, wow. This person is some, somebody that you may have just, you know, passed on the street and not given a second thought to like actually becomes a, a, a person. And you're like, wow, you know, that, that story is, is amazing. You know, I, I've, I've actually experienced some of that and, and hopefully it'll, it'll breed that, you know, compassion and understanding of each other. And, and hopefully, you know, inspire people to, to do better and, and be more friendly. I mean, it's, it's crazy to experience some of that. And then especially <laughs> here in Albuquerque, I, I mean, in reality, you know, the Southwest, you know, all of these Southwest states, we're really not that far away from like legit the wild, wild West. And, and I think and in some aspects we're, we're still there. I, I mean, I remember the first time I went to Vegas and, and, you know, everybody hypes up Vegas. Like it's this wild place, but the first time I went to Vegas, I saw somebody, you know, bump into another person and spill their drink. And, and right away it's like, are you okay? I'm so sorry. Come to my table. Let me buy you another drink. And I was like, what? Like, Damn. cause I was used to here. Like you do that here and you're fighting their whole family. Like, <laughs> and, and I was just like, wow. I mean, and, and then uh, going to bigger cities and there's so much more traffic and, and people and, and the, the gridlock isn't fun, but people know how to drive with each other here in Albuquerque. I, it's embarrassing because we, we hands down, we have the worst drivers ever, but it's, it's so common here to like, there's fights, like there's shootings just out of aggressive driving. I, it's, it's insane. I've actually had a couple fights from that myself. And it's just like so commonplace here. You go other cities with so many more people and so much more traffic. They don't have problems like that. It'll happen every now and then, but it's, it's basically an everyday thing here in Albuquerque. And people are still like living with that, that gunslinger mentality. <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, in a way it's, um, of course that's we don't have any professional sports teams um besides our soccer team and so of course it'd be uh well we have a, an a arena football team that's actually really good but we don't have anything big so of course you know our biggest thing would would be fighting i mean it makes sense but it's it's just crazy to see all that like I might have to debate you, man. I think Tulsa has like the worst drivers. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like nobody, I know how Albuquerque can be, man. It, it can be like really crazy. You know, I, I've never seen, I've never been in like a, like I, I've, I've seen the crazy drivers. I've seen like people cut off people and just, it is really bad. You know, it, and but here, you know, it is it's a, look at the same thing. Like I tend to 
think to myself, like, how do these people have licenses, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, nobody goes as far as, like, fighting, you know? I think they're all scared of each other, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, that just goes out, like, it, it's such a, such a shock. Like, so, driving around, like, you drive around in, in a Sleta or any of the Pueblos here, and everybody waves at each other. Everybody's you know, happy to see each other than to go out in that other world where everybody's just so much of a stranger. It's, it's, it's a, it's a shock. Like it's a culture shock. You're just like, what? So used to knowing everybody, every, I mean, that's your auntie, that's your uncle, that's cousin, you know, like, and then you go into that other world and, and it's, it's completely different. You got to hide everything under your seat. When you go in, go in the store, you get it like, it's it's crazy yeah it's an interesting point um what you're saying too about um that community a small res or the res where you're from you know everybody knows each other and i've never thought about that dude like i've never thought about that we live in broken arrow you know it's just a a town just a regular town regular people i don't know anything about my neighbors i'd never see them i'll they drive by and we never like wave every wave at each other and I've never thought about that, you know, I've never like sat here and thought, thought about the thing you brought up about like that community, you know, <laughs> and that's, that was always a big thing. Um, that, like on the res, you know, oh, you're going to town. Could you grab this, this and that for me? Yeah, I'm going I, or, you know, I'm going to town uh, on this weekend. Do you guys need anything? Like, just it, it's so different. And like here in, in the city, it's like you don't want anybody to know that you're not home it's it's a huge difference but i i don't i don't know i that that was one thing i i really when i was at sippy that i really enjoyed because it, it really was like its own little res like and i i felt i felt at home there i remember um when i um went to fort lewis like it was a great place but i kind of felt out of place and that was that was a huge challenge for me um even going forward in my education I always felt out of place, especially when I went back to uh, UNM. Finally, it's such a it's such a big campus, and it, like I always you see you would see all these people doing things that that you had never done or being a part of things, and it, it was I'd always I I would ask myself, and I, I'm sure a lot of Native students do this, especially if you've grown up in a Native community. You know, do I belong here? Like, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, I know I questioned it a lot and I was like, man, you know, I, I kind of just want to go home, but I'm, I'm lucky. You know, I, I always, my mom, while she was alive, she would always, you know, you have to finish. This is something I want for you. And I, I started, I finally started seeing the value in it and, and how much it's needed, how much our, we need, you know, our, our community to fill those positions to fill those spaces that wouldn't normally be thought of as, as indigenous. Um, and I, I, I've seen a, a, a huge like shift towards that. And, and that really makes me happy seeing like so many people going after things and, and filling positions um, like even this past election. So now we have uh, anti Deb, Deb Holland, like, as secretary of the interior that's huge 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's crazy because I, I, oh man, I guess that's kind of the flip side of the coin. There's, there's so many, unfortunately, a lot of times we, we all as native people have ran into that crabs in a bucket mentality when you're trying to get out there and do something good. You know, there's so many people that, um, that want to tell all the bad stories about you, but not the good stories. And, and we all have those. We all have those, those stories that are, that we're proud of. And then we've, we've all made bad decisions and, and have those stories that we're not so proud of. And, uh, you know, like, especially Deb's a prime example. She, she's had issues. She's had problems in the past and now she's trying to really like, you know, do something for all of, all of our people and not just indigenous people, but everybody she's, she's trying to do good things. And, and you have a lot of people trying to, Oh, well, this, this, and that it's like, well, yeah, you know, that did happen, but, you know, where are we at now? Are you living in the past or are you moving forward? And it's crazy because I hear a lot of even, I've, not a lot, but I've, I've heard, you know, natives kind of take shots at her. The first time I met Deb Holland was uh, at an action, a community action. We had a, a candlelight vigil. Um, one of my really good friends that I actually met at Sippy years ago, um, she she organized a candlelight vigil for one of our uh, indigenous sisters that was was murdered um, the gray wind case that was a, a really huge thing and, and she organized for that and deb actually showed up and was a part of that and for me to see someone in that position you know actually show up in the community show up in the streets you know wanting to to lend a hand and lend support that really that spoke to me about that person's character. I was like, wow, you know, most people, you know, this wouldn't even be on their radar. So, I mean, that's huge. And I hope, I know that, that my daughters were, were super pumped. My daughter Tala actually um, did a couple interviews with Deb and uh, like was, was really helping to push to, to help her get elected again. And um, for her to see that and then see to where she got, um, I know it was it was really inspiring. And so that's like, that's so super exciting to me. Like little, little native girls being able to see, wow, I can do that. It's been done now. Like she's, she may be the first, but I guarantee she won't be the last. And, and it's things like that that get me like super pumped, super pumped up. And if we can, you know, use our experiences and, and inspire those, those next ones coming after us and, uh, you know, lend them a helping hand. And that's, that's the way I look at it with my, my mistakes. I, I tell everybody, hey, I've already made those mistakes for you. You don't have to make them too. You know, learn from my bad experiences and, and so you can avoid those things. But I, I'm, su- I'm super excited where things are going. And uh, I, I, I'm always looking forward to the next, to the next thing. Like even, I, I remember when uh, Teton started at, at UNM, like we were so pumped, like, ooh, we got another native brother on the, on the team, like what? Like in the way the, the native community gets behind people, like it's that's that's such a beautiful thing to see like i remember when the the uh, shimmel sisters were hooping at louisville and it was just like this phenomenon like everybody was just pulling for them like 
Jude and, and uh, Shoney and seeing things like that and the possibilities of where it could go. Uh, it's just, it's really exciting to me. And I'm always like, just trying to tell people, you know, you can do it. You can do it. Like we can, we can be what we were meant to be. And like you said, you know, we were, we were meant for greatness. We were wired for greatness. And we have the, you know, creator gave us all of those tools we need within ourselves. So many times I see, you know, people trying to, a lot of times people will, will have one hand out, you know, help me and the other hand kind of pointing, you know, well, I'm having a hard time because of you or because of this. And really, we just need to look inside because we have all of the tools that we need to heal ourselves, to direct ourselves and empower ourselves. It, it's that thing, you know, like it might seem like a small thing, but that voice, every time you come to a, a decision, that initial voice you have, that's your intuition. That's, that's a tool that the creator gave us all. When you come to a, a situation, it's like, you, yeah, this isn't a good idea. Don't do it. But then so many times we have those conversations with ourselves because that's not the answer we want to hear. So then we'll try and have that conversation, that debate and try and change our own mind. But just trusting, trusting in ourselves and trusting in that, that innate wisdom that's been passed down to all of us, like that's going to be a huge step. And that's something I've learned, you know, through fighting is don't have those conversations. You know what you need to do. And, and when you come to a situation and you hear that voice, listen to it. It's going to help you avoid a lot of situations that, that aren't good for you. And so just sharing those things and, and being able to, to help, each, help each other out and share experiences and connect, like, that's that's just all crazy exciting stuff for me yeah and then going back to like deb and shimmels and teton i don't know man it, like you know natives are starting to like do a lot you know those three and then you got the uh rutherford falls have you watched that yet that's that is exciting that's exciting yeah yeah one of the one of the most things that got me pumped about that was uh just seeing gooch on on screen again man like Cause that's like that. I don't. I don't know. Like uh, watching Dance Me Outside and that character of Gooch. You're just like, man. Yup, that's the guy. That's the man. That's what I want to be. <laughs> and then you know, seeing him in that role as as is, is just it's it's so cool. Like it's just mm -hmm. so cool. And, and having something that's you know actually written by by one of our people. Like and, and seeing all the roles filled and, and seeing how it like the interactions like through the storyline and you're like yep 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 like it reminds me of that meme um with uh leonardo dicaprio where he's pointing at the tv like yep that's that's me i've seen that like it's it's exciting and you're right like there's so many so many good things happening you know there's so many natives out there making things happen we have gosh so many like artists like mm -hmm. man we even like it's crazy to think like there's there haven't been, you know, a lot of lead actors like Wes Studies, like he's always been the man. I remember uh, we were coming back from a fight in Louisiana and we had got on the plane 
and uh, he was sitting there in first class and uh, I was wearing, gosh, I can't remember what shirt I was wearing, but he looked at it and he was like, yep, yep. Keep it indigenous. And I was like, wow, (laughs) just acknowledged me like, wow, it's, it's exciting. And then we even have like, (laughs) <laughs> like native heartthrobs like martin's martin uh Sandsmeyer. like we've got it all now like it's it's finally you know finally starting to see that potential and all, all the good things happening like communities organizing and fighting against things um we have so many strong like this is something i've really noticed um there's there's that saying you know, a people is never defeated until the hearts of their women are on the ground. And that's one thing, gosh, I, I can say for Native women, like, if you think you're going to defeat them, you, you have another thing coming. Uh, the strength of our Native women is amazing. And it's something that I take a lot of inspiration from. Like, even uh, some of our young women, uh, like Nalyn Pike, uh, the Apache girl from San Carlos that's been behind the the fight to save Oak Flat, like, wow. Hearing her speak, and, and especially at such a young age, I, I remember um, sitting in a uh, Native Studies class at UNM and hearing her speak when she was 16, and I was just blown away. I was like, wow, wow. Like, and seeing things like that, I mean, it, it makes you want to step up and, and do more. Like, seeing all the great things that, that our people are doing in fighting for their sovereignty, fighting for our lands, fighting to protect our rights. And even beyond that, you know, just being successful and doing whatever they want to do. It's, it's so inspiring. It, it really like, it, it's like the one, all it takes is a spark to, to start a, a raging fire. And then it's, it's infectious. You want to do more, you want to see more. And it's, it's so cool to see yeah. And then it goes back to your work with um, that women's self-defense class and then being uh, wanting to empower the MMIW, man. Like, that's that's awesome, dude. You guys are doing that because that's one thing our women need, man. That awareness for, you know, indigenous women, you know, being murdered or going missing, you know, because, you know, that when was that brought to light? Like, because hardly anybody knew about that. You know, yeah, and it's it, been, it took that spark like you were talking about to bring that awareness to everybody. And now it's like this movement, this great movement, you know, and people are becoming aware of it, man. And that's exciting, too, man. Like, that's great, you know, because they need to be protected. And I think that's. That's a, a, another aspect to that is what are we doing as Native men like? How are we carrying ourselves? How are we treating the women around us? I, I think that's huge. And that there's so much that, that feeds into that. Um, I know th- there's, th- there's a lot of times throughout my life where I felt I wasn't enough. I wasn't, I wasn't worthy. I felt like a failure. I, I, I had hit roadblocks. I had hit certain times. Um, and luckily I made it through that, but it was crazy to me um, when um, the late, you know, Russell Means had released his book, Where White Men Fear to Tread. 
reading that book and hearing him talk about that, talking about all the times that he felt that pressure of, of failing and, and feeling that like, you know, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm, what am I going to do? And, and those times in his life where he was like, you know, I couldn't find work or I, I didn't know what to do with myself and how fighting for becoming a part of AIM and, and fighting for our people, like really helped open his eyes to a lot of issues. And even towards the end of the book where he like, he finally realized like all of the anger he was holding inside of him and being able to face that and deal with that and, and talk about his emotions and experiences that book I've, I've, I've read that book eight times and I, it, it's every time I read it, I find something else, a, a little gem of, of wisdom. And I'm just like, wow, wow. And, and I think that's not something we don't have. I, I think we have, like great male leaders, but we don't have a lot of access to them. Like in, in, you know, like on a, on a larger scale to where we can sometimes reach out and be like, well, what about this? Ask questions or ask for direction. Um, if you're not connected to somebody in your community, like it's, it can be tough. And even, even in your community, sometimes I, I know you can feel kind of unnoticed in, in some of the things you might not be feel comfortable like sharing or asking or and, and so I think it's important us as native men, as brothers, as uncles, as fathers, as sons, for us to really support ourselves and support each other in you know emotionally and, and mentally and that I think will carry over into us being better protectors for our um, female relatives. I think us being in touch with, with ourselves and, and being able to really explore like, you know, like our feelings and, and things like that, which is something that, you know, I know growing up, it, it wasn't, you, you just, you don't cry. Like there was, it, it's, uh, it's funny. Uh, my, um, my daughter's mom would, would always say that and she would be like, just shut up and take it like an Indian. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it was funny. We would laugh about it. But in reality, I mean, that's really the way we've kind of been conditioned. And we need to we need to break those molds and be able to talk about things and be able to support each other. And I, I think that like opening those um, venues of communication and making it okay to, to ask for help, to, to ask for guidance. I, I think that'll really like translate into us being much better for our, our women, for our sisters, our grandmothers, our daughters, our wives, our girlfriends. Um, and also holding, holding each other accountable. Like, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but still, you know, like, I think that's a challenge we face as well. Like when our, one of our sisters, you know, one of our women uh, faces, you know, violence or faces, you know, abuse at the hands of someone we know, we need to hold that person accountable. 
and not just, you know, kind of use that cop out. Oh, it's none of my business and just be cool with them. Um, do they deserve healing? Yes, they do. Um, but at the same time, that, ex- that behavior needs to stop being acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think that's huge on us as men, you know, holding ourselves accountable and, and holding each other accountable, not, not being cool with that. Cause that's not, that's not what we were meant for. That's not the way we were in our traditional teachings. That's not how we were instructed to teach our, our women. Our women are sacred beings and, and should be treated as such. So I, I think, I think that's huge. And, and that'd be, that'll be a huge step forward for all of us as a people. And, um, so things like that, like, are really, really important to me. And, and I know growing up, I, I, don't, I don't ever remember it being okay to, to be emotional, to, to ask about things like that. It was always later on I had to. And then later on, it, it created issues within myself to where um, I started working. I ended up starting working with a, a, a sports psychologist and it just, he helped me navigate my way through so many issues and kind of let go a lot of a lot of that anger and understand why I thought the way I did, why I felt the way I did. And, and then from there, you know, develop tools to, to health deal with those things in a healthy manner. And that, that was one thing, um, Russell had spoken about in his book is, is he reached out for help and, and the kind of stigma that went with it. But after he got into it, everything that he was, everything that he benefited from doing that was, it, it outweighed that so very much. And I, I think we, we all need to make it more common, make it okay. Like, yes, you know, as a man, you're always taught you got to be strong. You got to, you know, you got to lift weights. You got to work out. You got to be a fighter. And it's funny because, yes, that's important for us to be responsible with our physical wellness. But there is hardly any if emphasis on our, our mental wellness, mental and emotional wellness. And I think that's that's huge for us to be the best men that we can be. Yeah. So, same here. That's how it was for me too. Don't cry, you know, be, be a, be a man, you know, stuff like that. And, and it's like you, man, I, I did that, you know, I went through life and I held stuff in and held my tears back and it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad yeah. for you, man. Like, um, but my wife has like, helped me like being able to talk you know talk about how i'm feeling or you know um you know what's wrong is anything wrong and it took a while you know it took a while to break that that wall i guess and um but and you know that helped and starting this podcast really did help too you know because before man it was like i don't want no one to know anything about my life about what i did in the past you know that's my stuff and now it's like i don't care you know like like you man like i want people to learn from my mistakes too like 
you know, take it, you know, take it and learn something and don't make the same mistakes I did, you know, like, I guess it's like a, oh, what do you call it? Um, a blueprint, I guess. I don't really know if that's the right word, but, yeah, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it, that's, that's, you know, that's the same thing I went through and, you know, growing older, man, it's just like, like, why, why hold that stuff in? You know, it's good to talk about it and it's good to have people around you that want to, um, that care about you and love you enough to listen, you know, and just be there for you. You know, it's a special thing. Yeah, it really is. And that's, that's one thing I've really tried to pass on to my sons is, you know, like, yes, it's important to be tough, be strong. But part of being strong is being able to, you know, articulate your thoughts, articulate your feelings, share that with others mm-hmm. and, and be healthy because, you know, you can have all the armor in the world and look really tough from the outside, but that could be rusting from the inside. And eventually it all falls down. But I, I really, I don't know. I've, I've benefited so much from my coaches in, in that aspect. Uh, Nick Gonzalez, uh, that man, has he's been with me since my very first fight. And uh, he's, he's one of those people that, like, he'll, he'll drop, like, you'll, you'll kind of have an issue or a problem or something you're thinking about. And he won't give you a big, long speech. He'll kind of give you a couple words and it just, it's like someone turned on the light. It just illuminates everything. Like, and, uh, Joey Villasenor, he's been with me. Gosh, him and I have put in so much work together. That man has taught me so much. My, my fighting, my fighting style, my skill set. Um, that's, that's all Joey. (laughs) I remember when I first asked to work with him, gosh, Joey was such an intimidating figure that, that man was, gosh, just watching his fights and seeing him around the gym. Everybody in the gym has a Joey Villasenor story. Everybody just, man, that he was just a beast. And it's funny because as our coach, as, as a teammate, as a fighter, oh, man, like you had to you had to get yourself up. Like if you want to spar with Joey, like he was he was just, gosh, amazing. He was an animal just. And as a coach, it's so funny to see the other side of him, the, the nurturing, caring person that he is, is, is insane. He's always, every weekend, he's always, you know, checking up on everybody that's fighting, that's fought, making sure everybody's good. It, it's, it's, it's crazy to see that. But I've been so fortunate to learn from those two. And, and as well as Greg and Wink, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Greg and Wink are, man, they're like yin and yang, but they work so well together. They work so well together. Seeing them, like, the way they interact and the, the way they teach is just, it's amazing. So I, I've, I've been lucky. I've, I've been able to benefit from all that. And it's, it's, it's really helped me along my personal journey. 
And, and I hope to be able to, to give those gifts that they've given me, you know, give those to other people. But I'm excited for what's, what's coming. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to, to get back in that cage this year and, and uh, have some fun. It's been, it's been a long time and, and I, I miss it. It's, I'm anxious to show the knowledge that, that I've gained since the last time I was there the personal growth, the skill growth, just, and uh, hopefully uh, that's something I've always wanted to do with my fighting. It's funny because, you know, growing up, I'm sure we've all had that one teacher that, you know, really saw something in us and really tried. And while the, the rest of them were kind of like, just, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, kind of just gave up on us and wrote us off. Mm-hmm. But I, I've always found it like, you know, weird how a teacher or, you know, someone in a position and a really vital, important position like that can tell us something. And we're kind of like, ah, you know, what? Okay, cool, whatever. But then, you know, an athlete or somebody tells us something and they're like, oh, oh, my God, did you know what they said? Did you hear what they said? And it has such a such a huge impact on them. And so I. I've always found that, like, you know, why do we do that? I'm sure this, you know, this person, like this, this teacher, this parent, you know, this uncle, this aunt, like, you know, has a lot more insight than this random athlete. But we choose to look at these random athletes, like, uh, give them automatic credibility just because of their, uh, their platform. But I've always wanted to use, you know, fighting as a platform just to, you know, reach out to people to let, let our people know, you know, there's good things ahead. Like don't give up, you know, send those positive messages to relate to them. Um, those have been some of the, the, the most rewarding moments I've experienced is after a fight, after a win, the way, you know, everybody comes up to you and they'll, they'll share their little memory of you with you. Like, you know, I remember when, you know, we were in school and this happened and, I remember, you know, that basketball game where you hit the winning shot or like just they shared their little memories of you and, and being able to share that moment of victory with you is uh, it's special and how much it means to them and, and how much how rewarding it is for you. Like, so I look forward to lots more of that in uh, doing a lot more big things, you know, hopefully spreading our uh, adaptive MMA program to like all of the native communities here and even farther. And um, especially our, our smart girl self-defense, you know, empowering our women and continuing to do all these things. And who knows what else is going to come up. But I really hope, I look forward to, to doing all that. Um, I'm also hoping, um, I've, coached, I've coached basketball uh, here at the Native American Community Academy. And... Um, I'm hoping to get get back to that at some point as well. That was really that was so much fun, uh, so much fun, and and it's cool because I'm still I still keep contact with you know the majority of my players, and just seeing the cool things that they're doing in their lives, and, and it's just it's it's rewarding on a whole nother level. Like I. I I'm happy I get to share this with, with you and, and everybody listening because um, 
sometimes I just think these thoughts to myself and, and you don't always get to thank people or, you know, express how much them being in your life uh, means to you. But I, I'm, I'm so very blessed to, to be around all the amazing people I have been and sharing their life experiences and, and witness, you know, their journeys and their accomplishments. And, you uh, it just, it just, they make me want to be better. And my, my little ones, like they're, they're my, they're my everything. They're my, my biggest motivation, the things they do. Gosh, my, my, my older son, he's, he's getting to that point where, uh, he, he's a really talented basketball player. He, uh, we're starting to have those wars and I'm like, wow, you know, it's not going to be too much longer before. I don't know if I'm going to be able to beat him. And so like, it's the little things they do that, that uh, make me want to keep going and keep improving and keep growing. And it's crazy how many of us, and I see it like with people I went to school with um, people that were even younger than me that are for whatever reason, you know, life's kind of like beat them into that position to where they, they kind of stopped growing. And like, I know in our native culture, like we get so much of our teachings, you know, from creations, um, like nature, like the way things go in nature. And it's just like a tree. Whenever, whenever a tree stops growing, it starts dying. And, and it's sad to see people like that. So hopefully, you know, through our conversations and our actions, things that we're sharing, people can realize, you know, it's not over, no matter what your age, if you're young, you're, you, you're feeling older, like it's never too late to, to chase your dreams, do the things you want to do, wake up and grow every day, even if it's only a little bit, like we say that at the gym, you know, 1% better every day. And, and it's those little things that the accumulation of a lot of little things that make a huge difference. So I'm, I'm excited going forward. And, and like, this is, this experience has been amazing for me, just sitting here and talking with you, telling my story, and just sharing thoughts. Like, I'm honored to be here. So, I mean, I, I really appreciate that from you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, man, I'm a, uh, I'm honored to have you on, man. You know, it's, uh, it's been a great time, man. And I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for, you know, everybody, everybody in general, man. Like it's a great time to, be alive and you know just moving forward and trying to become great you know this has been fun man this has been real fun and we have to do it again man we have to do it again because you know i know there's so much more to talk about but man it's it's just been great you know getting to know you you know in this time that we've had right here and i appreciate it man i appreciate you for making time and coming on and just sharing man sharing your story and yeah, most definitely. I look forward to it. And I look forward to all of your other guests too. Like, man, um, <laughs> I, I've, I've been trying to like, it, it's crazy because even just listening to, to one of your episodes, there's so many thought provoking things that are, that are mentioned and seeing things from other people's perspectives. And it just, it leaves you with so many points to ponder. Like it's, it, it's, it's cool. It's, it's exciting. I mean, it makes you wonder about things and, and see things from different perspectives. Like, and I've been, <laughs> unfortunately, I was, I was trying to share um, 
some of it, some more of your stuff on Facebook, but I'm actually in Facebook jail right now. Oh, are um, you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, on day 29 of my 30, 30 day suspension or day. Oh, wow. Day 27. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you do? Um, I, there was a, there was a post, uh, shared uh one of our navajo relatives she was uh murdered by her boyfriend recently and uh this uh non-native guy goes on there and starts you know just talking trash and 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 i i you know i didn't cuss at him i didn't you know threaten him i didn't say anything like that but i'm like hey man you know like this is really disrespectful you come on this post you know that's that's meant to highlight you know the precious life that was lost through violence and, and you're, you're coming out here just spewing your ignorance. You need to go somewhere with that. Like, and, and I don't know, I don't know if he reported me or, or what happened, but uh, they said that my comment went, went against community standards, which is something that, that I was like, community standards, wait, like, so this, you know, this, this lady lost her life, her family lost her and he's allowed to come here and disrespect and when we react, when we stand up to that ignorance and racism, um, our retaliation is the only thing that's seen, not the, the act that, that caused it. And things like that are, are, are really frustrating, but that's, that's on me, like having to, to learn, still see, and I'm, I'm still learning, still learning that self-control, um, not being able to, uh, give everything a reaction but it's just one of those things that's a subject that's dear to my heart so it's really really hard not to come with a strong reaction when i see those type of people disrespecting our sisters mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I i was like what here we go oh, man I'm in, I'm in jail again man i've heard of that i've heard of facebook doing that it's pretty i don't know it's it's weird that's yeah, so I don't, yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I just, it's one of those things, and, and I guess it's still learning that lesson. So many of us, um, I, I know I've always, my, my reaction first is like, you know, stand up and, and, and fight, but I could have used that, like, and it's one of those lessons, I could have used the energy I put into arguing with him into, you know, supporting something else in a different way. And so that's that's part of my personal journey is learning to be better in those aspects. But yeah, I'm definitely excited to share like all of your content um, with other people and, and uh, just keep this thing going and keep it growing. And I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to benefit from uh, the things shared within here and uh, the work that everybody's doing. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, man, it, it, it's, it's very exciting. Thank you, man. Thank you. And, um, bro, you're, you're welcome back anytime, you know, um, whenever your fight comes up, let's get on it, man. Let's talk about it. And I'm excited for you, man. I'm excited for your continued coaching and getting back in the cage and man, like you just have an exciting life and everything that you're doing, man, even with the, um, the women's self-defense, man, keep that going, man. That's, that's great. You know, and then bring it to the, bring that, you know, to the native communities too, man, like that. That's, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Yes, sir. Most definitely I'm looking forward to it. 
Did you want to uh, shout out your social media for everybody? Keep track of you, follow you. Yeah, anybody who wants to follow me, uh, they can find me on Facebook. Just look uh, uh, Seth Beta. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, Beta Wolf MMA. Um, I'm on Instagram, a Beta Wolf MMA, or or look up Seth Beta. Uh, my uh, my uh, profile picture is uh, uh, there's a an aim flag in the in the profile picture, so. I mean, you can't miss me, but yeah, if you want to, anybody wants to reach out, connect, um, follow on this journey and, uh, you know, see what we can do for our, for our native people and each other and positive vibes only. Let's, let's make things better for each other. Yes. Yes. Everybody follow Seth, Adam, keep up with him. He's going to, he's doing great things and make sure you're there when he makes his return to the cage and, um, Oh, uh, do you got any uh, clips on YouTube or anything? Um, I have. I actually um, haven't. I don't really post anything. Um, I have like my last King of the Cage fight is on UFC Fight Pass. Um, I have some cool. interviews on uh, on YouTube um, Kate, that I've done for Cage Minds before all of my fights. Um, but yeah, I I haven't really posted much of my much of my fighting and like as far as like actual footage okay cool well if you want to go watch his interviews go watch those interviews and uh i'm sure his uh next fight will be up and uh yeah man if if uh you ever come to oklahoma or anything tulsa broken arrow man hit me up man we'll hook up and link up or whatever yeah, most definitely. Uh, I've been wanting to take, you know, take the fam out there to go check out uh, Fort Sill, uh, go check out uh, the Jim Thorpe Museum and uh, just all of Oklahoma. Like a lot of beautiful country out there. Um, and actually, like we're, we're, we're big on history. So I actually get out there and see some of the places that have played such a big role in, in some of the huge decisions that involve like all of Indian country. But yeah, most definitely. It'd be great to get out there and look you up. Yeah, man. Yeah. Then we'll do another in person. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah bro. Go. We'll hook up, you know, we'll hang out, go eat or something, you know. And I might be out there for Indian market. So I'll I'll hit you up too, man, if I head out there. So yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, man. Um, so everybody, you know, go follow Seth on Instagram, hit him up on Facebook reach out if you want to connect he's doing a lot of great things and um if you're not following okie podcast please go follow okie podcast on instagram facebook tiktok and um please subscribe rate review on all platforms um you know what they are and so yeah everybody man this was fun this was great thank you seth once again i appreciate it bro yes sir thank you the honor is mine And uh, I guess until next time, everybody, peace.